We turn then in God's Word this evening to Psalm 107. Psalm 107. It's a rather lengthy psalm of 43 verses, but we'll read it in its entirety tonight, although our message is uh, really based on just the first three verses tonight, although, Lord willing, next Lord's Day we'll consider uh, the other verses of the psalm as well, and then uh, uh, the next Lord's Day evening, uh, Dr. Norm is going to be leading us, and then on our uh, Thanksgiving gathering, uh, we'll come back to this psalm in the concluding verses as our theme for that Thanksgiving gathering. Psalm 107. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from troubled and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and irons, for they had rebelled against the words of the Lord and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts in two the bars of iron. Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquity suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. And they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. Some went down to the sea in ship, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wit's end. And they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them extol them, him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. 
He turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a salty waste. Because of the evil of its inhabitants, he turns a desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water. And there he lets the hungry dwell, and they establish a city to live in. They sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful yield. By his blessing, they multiply greatly, and he does not let their livestock diminish. When they are diminished and brought low through oppression, evil, and sorrow, he pours contempt on princes and makes them wander in trackless waste. But he raises up the needy out of affliction and makes their families like flocks. The upright see it and are glad, and all wickedness shuts its mouth. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. Let's fire the reading of God's word. Let's again bow in prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you once again, Father, where we can open your word, and uh, we pray that you'll be with Pastor Bob tonight as he brings the message from your word. Uh, open our hearts and our minds, Father, to what you would have us uh, gather from this, and Father, as we consider your wonderful plan of redemption, um, we, we can't measure it, we can't fully understand it, we can be in awe of it, and we can be thankful for it, and we just praise you, Father, for the depth and, and riches of your love that just never ends. All this in the precious name of our Savior, when we pray, amen. Amen. First of all, before we get into the, the, the body of the message and the, the, the major points uh, on the outline, three notes of, of introduction to this particular psalm. Uh, this, along with Psalm 105 and 106, form a trifecta of psalms that are referred to as pilgrim psalms. They are descriptions of journeys. Uh, one can find within these psalms uh, depictions and descriptive language that describes Israel's journey from uh, Egypt to the land of Canaan in that great exodus. There are words and phrases in the psalms that speak about the journey of God's people after the Babylonian captivity and as they returned again to the land that God had given to them. And so the, the people of Israel, uh, from that time, from that uh, point of time in which these psalms were gathered into a collection, have always noted that these are pilgrim psalms. Psalms about individuals moving from place to place until they find their true destination. In that respect, they are certainly about the life of every believer then in that regard as well. For we are all pilgrims that are on a journey. This is not our home. Paul is very clear in testifying to us that we are but strangers and aliens here. Our home, our true home, is in glory. And so this part of our existence is a pilgrimage. It is, it is a wandering through which we ultimately and finally come to our true home with the Lord. And yet we are called upon throughout our lives, even as the Psalms remind us, to give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love, for all of his wondrous works on behalf of his people. 
That's the first thing. Secondly, this psalm uh, was used as a choral anthem. Now, not the entire psalm, but in particular, these opening verses. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. It appears that that became sort of a, a central theme and a repetitive theme that, that filled the worship of God's people throughout the rest of the Old Testament. That anthem of praise that, that would be sung by choirs in order that God's people, as they would come on their own pilgrimage, as they would come those three times a year to those festivals, that they were called to attend in Jerusalem, would hear echoed over and over and over again, O oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. They used it almost as we today use the words of the doxology, praise God from whom all blessings flow. We sing it at a multitude of different situations. We sing it at hospital beds. We sing it at funerals. We sing it at, at weddings at times, this is used. We sing it here in worship. The people of Israel repeatedly sang, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. But in particular, there is a connection with this psalm to our own celebration of thanksgiving that our president calls us to as citizens of this nation on that uh, Thursday of November, remembering the pilgrims that journeyed to this nation back in 1620. And as I say, there is evidence that this psalm, they saw themselves living out. William Bradford, and, and this is in Boyce's uh, commentary on the psalms, uh, William Bradford who was then the governor of the Plymouth Plantation, speaks about their journey. These are his words. May not and ought not the children of these fathers rightly say, Our fathers were Englishmen which came over this great ocean and were ready to perish in this wilderness. But they cried unto the Lord, and he heard their voice and looked upon their adversity. Let them therefore praise the Lord because he is good and his mercies endure forever. Yes, let them which have been redeemed of the Lord show how he hath delivered them from the hand of the oppressor when they wandered in the desert wilderness out of the way and found no city to dwell in, both hungry and thirsty. Their soul was overwhelmed in them. Let them confess before the Lord his loving kindness and his wonderful works before the sons of men. Those words, based upon Psalm 107, Boyce writes, suggest that the psalm was often in the pilgrim's mind. And since the pilgrims came ashore on a Monday, December 11, 1620, after having spent the prior day worshiping God, it is even likely that Psalm 107 was the basis for that Sabbath meditation. And so in words of introduction, we, we have all sorts of reasons to come to this psalm, particularly in our time of thanksgiving as well. 
as this year's journey has taken us on our own pilgrimages. But those pilgrimages, we can along the way stop and say, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. I was talking to uh, uh, a farmer uh, in the last couple of weeks. Actually, two farmers made the same observation. They said, Pastor Bob, do you remember back in the spring we were wondering about whether or not we'd get crops in the ground? Yep, we had a lot of rain. Both of them mentioned, but God has given a significant increase. And then both of them mentioned, and now we're having difficulty getting the crops from off the ground. Yet, God is good. And his steadfast love endures forever. It's a beautiful testimony and a reminder to all of us of God's goodness and love. So let's look at this psalm then, with those points of introduction having been made for the next two Lord's Day evenings. First of all, tonight we're going to look at the call that is issued. Secondly, the being that is spoken of. Thirdly, the reasons that are stated. And fourthly, the means by which this thanksgiving is to be done. Let me read those first three verses again. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. So hear the call. The psalmist is calling us to do something. You say, well, yes, give thanks. But it begins with, oh, give thanks. In many of your versions, it's not an O-H, it's just the O. It's the Hebrew way of forcing it. It's the Hebrew way of, of calling out. It's the Hebrew way of, of underlining this and saying, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. That's the call. The call is to give, yadao. It's a word that means to throw or to cast. Now, you've got to stop and think about this. Why does the word that says to throw or to cast get translated as the word to give? Well, if we put it in the context of two things. To give in the context in which it is meant here means the idea of taking a net and casting it, throwing it off from the boat, to release it from self. It is the idea to use a perhaps more modern way, and for those of you who went foaling yesterday afternoon, it's the idea of taking a football and of going back and throwing it to give so that it is no longer in your hands, so that it is no longer under your control. To give, as it means it here in the Hebrew, in this psalm, speaks more of the idea of to release, speaks more of the idea to let go, to give, to let it go, that the thanks 
that we owe to the Lord is something we should let go. It's not something to hold in. It's not something to keep to self. It's not something to think that in any way, shape, or form that we are the ones who are the masters of our own fate. That we are in some way in control of our own destiny. But that we throw, that we give thanks to the Lord because we understand it is not of ourselves. We give it over like we throw the net out of the boat, like we throw the football out of our hand. We give it over completely. We don't retain it at all. We don't keep it for ourselves. That's the call. To release. To release what? Thanks. Our appreciation of. Our gratitude for. To acknowledge what another has given or granted. That's the call of the psalm. To release our acknowledgement that all that we have, that all that we have been given, comes not from ourselves, but comes from another. And that being, the one who gives us all, is the one who we have to acknowledge. The one who needs to be spoken of. The one who needs to be testified. The one who needs to be thanked. Even as I alluded a little while ago to those ten lepers that Jesus cured. And only one comes back to give thanks. Only one comes back to say I didn't do this myself. I did not cure myself. I had leprosy. I was a dead man walking. But I come to you and I release, I give over my thanks to you, Jesus, because you are the one I am acknowledging who has cleansed me and has healed me. And what was Jesus' response? Where are the other nine? Where are the other nine? This psalm is a call, not only to the one, but it's a call to the other nine as well. To release, to give over their thanks to the Lord. Which brings us to the second point. The being who is to be thanked. As we have uh, and entered into this Thanksgiving time, as Thanksgiving services are held in various localities, Thanksgiving becomes one of those times when, for whatever reason, people get it in their heads that it would be a good idea to have some sort of joint worship service. But not just with fellow Christians. Thanksgiving is a time to share with all faiths. So there'll be these services, and, and they'll be published, they'll be acknowledged, the news will carry them where you'll have Christians, you will have Jewish folks, you will have Buddhists, you will have Hindus, you will have Muslims all sharing the stage, uh, along with some atheists, and they're all going to be gathered together, and they're going to be giving thanks. But the question is to who? 
who is that thanks going to be given to? It's a good question to think of, isn't it? Who is the thanks really going to? Do we understand who it is that we need to acknowledge as the one who has given us all? You say, well, of course we know, Pastor. We, we, that's the Lord. Yes, and I'll acknowledge that. that. That hopefully is your answer. But understand, my friends, that not everybody who gathers on Thanksgiving is acknowledging it to the Lord. Some are acknowledging perhaps some force. Some are acknowledging some supreme being. Some are acknowledging some good karma. Some are acknowledging Allah. Some are acknowledging only half of God, only part of him, and not the full manifestation of his word. We are called, we are called to give thanks to the Lord, that being, the one who identifies himself as the Lord. So what does that name tell us? Well, the name translated Lord here means Yahweh. It means Jehovah in some of your versions. We sang that in one of the hymns we had in our song service that, that we sang about. Jehovah, the Lord, Yahweh. They all mean the same thing, especially when, when the Lord is all in caps in our Bibles. That, that's what it's referencing. It is God's personal name. Interesting thing happens when you read God's Word, in that the names of God reveal to us certain circumstances and situations. For example, in Genesis chapter 1, the term that is used to describe God there is Elohim. They've talked about it before, particularly when we've had sermons on the Trinity. It's that name that, that is singular in name, but all of the verbs that you find in Genesis chapter 1 are plural, meaning there are many, yet one. The clearest picture we have in the Old Testament of the triune God. That's Genesis 1. But when you get to Genesis 2, that name is not used. In Genesis 2, the name Yahweh is used. And in Genesis 3, the name Yahweh is used. When you go to Exodus chapter 3, the call of Moses out of the burning bush, it is the name Yahweh that once again comes forth. I have heard the cry of my people. Yahweh has heard his people in distress once again. Now, I say all that because that name Yahweh, or Lord, as it's translated here in our English versions, talks about a relationship. This is the term, this is the way in which God reveals himself when he's revealing himself in terms of his covenant relationship with us. That's why in Genesis 1, it is Elohim. But once man has been created, now God begins to relate man in terms of covenant and in terms of a covenant relationship. And so he, he reveals himself as Yahweh. 
But the beautiful thing is, he reveals himself as that not only in Genesis 2 when he creates man and we have the formation of man out of dust of the earth and Yahweh breathes into man the breath of life and he brings Eve to, to Adam in that beautiful passage of, of Genesis 2 and God sees that it's all very good. But he also reveals himself with that name in Genesis 3. Even when man has fallen into sin, even when man has broken covenant, it is God who comes back as Yahweh. As the one who is still in a covenant relationship with this man that he has created. And even though God's people in Exodus chapter 3 are in bondage in Egypt, God, their covenant God, Yahweh, has heard their cry and he's sending forth Moses to be their deliverer. Who shall I say sent me? Tell them, Moses, that Yahweh has sent you. Their covenant God is coming to their rescue. Do you see the pattern of Psalm 107 beginning to emerge? They were in deep distress and they cried out to the Lord. And the Lord heard their cry as their covenant God. Give thanks to the Lord. He is the one who is to be the object of our giving thanks. And him and him only. Thirdly, as we look at these verses, we see not only the call, we see not only the being, but listen to the reasons that are stated. Now, the psalm's going to go on and give us a multitude of reasons. That's why I'm, I'm not going to try to cover it all in one night. Okay, we'll, we'll have to come back to it. But listen to the stated reasons. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Why? What's the first reason that is given? For he is good. For he is good. Why is it that I am called to release my gratitude, to release my acknowledgement to the Lord for what he has done? Because of his goodness. His goodness. Because he is pleasant. Because he is agreeable. He's good for us. He is good to us. But it's not just his actions. It is his being. It is his very nature. It is his very essence. God is good. And that goodness includes a moral aspect to it. It includes the idea of a perfection. It includes the idea of a sinlessness. So that as we read in Genesis chapter 1, and God saw that he had made, and behold, it was good. It's not just, yeah, did okay. No, this is good. This is just the way it ought to be. This is perfect in the way that I have created it. Perfect in the way that I have established it. But the psalmist here is saying, that is God himself. Not only in his goodness to us, 
but in his nature. God is a good God in his whole being. It's not just a part of him. It's not just some aspect of God is good. He is good in all he says. He is good in all he does. He is good in all he thinks. He is good in all he wills. Because his very being is good. Give thanks to the Lord. Why? Because he is good. Sometimes you hear people repeat the phrase, God is good, and then they'll respond all the time. That's right, there is no, there is no alternative. There is no God is good some of the time. There is no God is good part of the time. There is no God is good once in a while. God is good, eh, 33% of the time. God is good, eh, 80% of the time. God is good 95% of the time. No, God is good all the time. There is never a time in which God is not good. In all he does, God is good. Have you ever met somebody who refuses to celebrate Thanksgiving because they say, I have nothing to be thankful for. It's been a really bad year. A lot of bad stuff has happened, and I'm in the midst of other bad stuff, and I just can't think of a reason. Here's a verse. Here's a verse. Tuck it away in your head. If you need to write it on a little piece of paper, put it in your wallet. For that person, here comes the call. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good all the time. Our eyes don't always see it. Our minds don't always apprehend it. We are but frail human beings. We are weak. We still have sin as scales over our eyes. That sinful nature is still with us and we battle with it. So sometimes we can't see the way in which God's goodness is being shown. But you see, this comes as a statement of faith. God is good. Give thanks to him. In all that he does, in all that he is, God is good. But there is another reason. Look at verse 1 again. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Here's a second reason the psalmist gives us right at the very beginning of the psalm, before he gets into the pilgrim journey. He reminds us not only of the goodness of God, but he reminds us of the love of God, the steadfast love that endures forever. God's love doesn't fade. God's love doesn't dwindle. Perhaps you or 
someone else you know has fallen madly in love with another human being. Oh, this is the one. This is the one. I love him or I love her. Oh, this is the one. This is the one. That was after the first date. Oh, I can see us getting married. That was after the second date. And then suddenly over the course of weeks and months, that love that seemed to be so strong just begins to tail off. Sometimes it's like this. Sometimes it's a, a tailing off. And pretty soon they're not even seeing each other. Pretty soon they're not even dating anymore. I think sometimes when we try to comprehend the love of God, we read into God's love too much of our humanity. And so we're always a little halting about the love of God. Yeah, but what if it fades? What if it's like that relationship? What if it's like that one? You read your no romance novels, watch romantic movies, and sometimes that love dwindles, sometimes it's high, sometimes it's low. God's love never fades. God's love never even dips. There is never a moment when God loves you less. Is that amazing to stop and think of? Do you think that God loved Adam less after he took the fruit? If you do, you're wrong. Because what happens? God comes. God seeks Adam out. God speaks to Adam of the fact that he had a redeemer. Oh, but then I have to remember God already knew that Adam was going to eat the fruit before he even planted the tree, before he even created. Did God love Adam less? No. For the love of God is steadfast. It remains. Now that's not a license for us to sin. That's a call, a passionate call for us to flee sin. And run to God. But it speaks of that love of God. That it is steadfast. That it never stops. This is the glorious hope, isn't it, that we have as God's people. Not only for ourselves as we live from day to day. But as our family and several of you in the last several weeks have gone through that death experiences, others of you are reflecting now upon the passing of a mother or a grandmother, grandfather, father. And as believers, wait, what, what gets us to take the next step when that spouse passes away or when one of our children dies? How, how do we keep on living? The steadfast love of the Lord. 
He doesn't stop loving that person any less because they are physically dead. And we on this side are always, oh, they're going to miss out, oh, they're going to miss out. And it's like, wait a minute, they're not missing out on the love of God at all. See, this is what Paul is reminding us of in that Romans 8 passage. When we come to that everlasting love. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who can bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn Christ? Jesus is the one who died more than that. Who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God. Who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now why can nothing separate us? Why can't that happen? Because the love of God is steadfast. And it endures forever. Sometimes perhaps as young people you come home with a, a bad report card. You come home with a bad grade. And it's way below your parents' expectations. And there is that fear. Maybe mom or dad won't love me so much anymore. I did poorly. Or we walk into the house with one of those traffic tickets. Maybe mom and dad aren't going to love me so much anymore. Yeah, sometimes that happens. But the love of God is steadfast for those who are His. Nothing can separate us from that love. And the passing of a friend, a spouse, a parent, a grandparent, the love of God changes not. He loves them as much as he has ever loved them before the foundations of the world. Oh, give thanks. Why? For his goodness. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love. So how do we do it? Well, let's go back to the psalm. The psalmist gives us a, at least a couple of things here by which we may give thanks to the Lord. First, note okay, that as we, 
I've got to get back to Psalm 107. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Verse 2, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Say it. How do we give thanks to the Lord? Well, I give thanks to the Lord with my attitude. That's good. I give thanks to the Lord with the action. That's good. Those will come up in the psalm. But here, the psalmist says, you've got to give it up. You've got to take that thanks that resides within your very being, and you have to give it up. How? Let them say so. This is to be something we testify. This is something we proclaim. That we proclaim throughout the entire world. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Dr. Tim, last Lord's Day, led us to that passage in Deuteronomy chapter 5. The gospel of Moses that we find there. Well, here's the gospel of the psalm. You can take that verse and there is the gospel message. There is that which the redeemed of the Lord. There is that which we who have been redeemed from our sin. That we who have been redeemed from the clutches of Satan. That we've been redeemed from hell, from our judgment, from our condemnation, from our guilt. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We come next Lord's Day morning to this table and we remember that steadfast love of the Lord for us in Jesus Christ. What is our response? To say it. This is not something to keep quiet. This is not something that, that people have to somehow decipher. Why did they do that act? Why did they show that act of kindness? Why did they show that? Now this is something we speak. This is something we testify about. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let it be spoken. Let it be uttered. Let it be made known. Isaiah, in writing about uh, the prophetic word about those who were going to go back into captivity but then return uh, at, during this about what Psalm 107 covers as they return from Babylon, Isaiah prophesies, and the redeemed of the Lord shall come and they shall come with singing. There's going to be a joy so deep swelling within their hearts, a joy so deep swelling in their souls, a thanks for the redemption that they have received from the hand of the Lord, for they know it's not of themselves. They know they haven't saved themselves. They know it's God who has reached down into human history in the person of his own Son who has redeemed them. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let this be our testimony. Let this be that which we proclaim to friend, neighbor, relative, classmate, co-worker. That we give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his steadfast love. But there is a second. It doesn't occur, at least the one that I'm going to highlight until the end. Go to verse 43. At the end, the psalmist pauses. Whoever is wise, 
Let him attend to these things. In other words, let him think about this. Let him reflect upon this. Reflect upon what? God's deliverance, God's goodness, the way God answers our prayers, the way God delivers us in distress. Let them consider. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. It's not only to be spoken. It is also to be contemplated. To be reflected on. Personally. Individually. That the Lord steadfast love for me. Let me urge you in this week before the table to consider throughout this week as you get a moment, as you get a moment here or there to just stop and let those words come back. The steadfast love of the Lord and ponder Think about the beauty, the awe of God's love for you. In that he sent forth his son to die. If you still do not know that truth, pray that the Father would send forth his spirit into your heart. Pray. Pray as a believer in the Lord that he'd give you the courage to speak about your redemption. As a believer in the Lord, pray that God's spirit might be unleashed not only in your life but to others that you come in contact with who as of yet do not know that steadfast love of the Lord. Pray for Dr. Tim as he travels throughout Africa, that the Spirit might open hearts to that steadfast love of the Lord. Pray for our OPC missionaries, home and forth, that, that the Spirit might move within hearts and lives to those that they're ministering to, that they might come to know the steadfast love of the Lord. That rather than one returning to give thanks, all ten might someday, all those redeemed by the Lord, might be gathered from north and south and east and west, that we might be gathered together as God's people to proclaim again, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And God's people say, Amen. What more can be said than this beautiful text? What more can be said to you all that you have done, all that you have given, for your love and for your goodness, 
give thanks to you, Lord. In Christ's name, God's people again say, Amen.